Hey there, you are in for a treat today because I am going to read you a couple of chapters of my new book, Suck It Up Princess. I've just decided to pick a few that I thought might float your boat, that might resonate and give you a really good feel for the book. So let's dive in. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. If you've listened to the last couple of episodes of the Untapped podcast, episode 109, I just let rip on what the whole self-publishing process has been like. So if you were thinking of writing your own book and self-publishing it, marketing it and selling it, that is an excellent episode to dive into. I just pull back the curtain on every single tactic and strategy that I've used to get to this point of self-publishing Suck It Up Princess right through from pre-funding it with a crowdfunding campaign to writing it during lockdown to self-publishing on two different platforms and to marketing it and all those good things. And then episode 110 is actually one of my team members, Ash, interviewing me on the book. And that's just really fun because as an author, when somebody interviews you about your book, you just get a whole different context, I guess, of how people see it and what they read into it and what bits they like and what stands out for them. So it's a really energizing, awesome conversation where Ash is pretty much given a whole lot of love to the book, which was so beautiful because I had no idea what she thought of it. We jumped on. I had no idea what she was going to ask. And it's just a really entertaining, great interview where we dive into some of the chapters and themes that are coming through. So if you want to get a better feel for what Suck It Up Princess is about, please listen to that episode. And finally, today's episode, well, not finally, but I really wanted to just give you a treat of reading some of my book. And this will be part of the audio book that will be released on Audible by getting it before anybody else if you're listening in. And I'd love for you to let me know what you think. Build your moat. In fairy tales, most princesses live in a castle. Some castles, the really fortified ones, have moats, a body of water that encircles the castle. This makes it harder for the enemy to attack because they have to navigate across the often dark and deep waters, which gives the guards protecting the castle time to fend off an attack. In short, they're pretty handy. I learned years ago that if I want to do my best work and live a life I truly desire, I need a really big freaking moat around me. In other words, I need to create and honour my boundaries. These boundaries protect me from giving away too much of my energy, working too hard, letting negative people into my life. These boundaries protect me from over-consuming social media, getting stressed out, taking on too many projects or responsibilities, getting involved in other people's business or drama, putting other people's needs before me, getting poor sleeps, not prioritizing my rest, and being too accessible to clients, friends, and family. The truth is, as a high performer and an overachiever, I'm prone to pushing too hard too often. And this is something I'm finally learning to manage by adopting the mantra, ease, grace, and flow every single day. There is no one else here to look to but me. The buck stops with me. Change starts with me. 
If I forget to look after myself in order to look out for and help others, I pay the price. In 2019, I had single-handedly said yes to too many things. Read the chapter, The Power of Saying No. I mean, I'm not the only princess with a lot on her plate, but this was ridiculous. I had taken on a a four-day-a-week job, my first one in 10 years, another part-time contract on a new business I couldn't resist being part of, and had squeezed my business into just one day a week, including launching a new course. To cap it off, I was training six days a week for my half Ironman triathlon and fitting that in early morning or evening. Craziness. And I think I'm a smart person. Really, Nat? When I operate at this level, I learn a new lesson, or seven, every single time. I take it on board, I apply it, and I make changes. But these are expensive lessons to learn. I preach to my people all the time, you're not superwoman. You're super, but you're not a superhero with special powers that make you invincible. And for lovers of Marvel and DC Comics, you'll know superheroes have their downsides, their vulnerabilities, and their shite days too. You and I need to acknowledge this and put in place boundaries to protect our superness, because no one else will or can but you. You need to build your freaking moat. And here are my hard-learned lessons on creating a moat that protects your most precious resources, your time and energy, and empowers others to do what they need to allow you to do less. Firstly, let people know when you're open for business. Even if you're not in business for yourself, the principles still apply. Tell people when you're available and when you're not. For example, I aim to work five hours per day from 8am to 1pm. Those are the times my team know that I'm online and responding to them in Slack for quick communications and short conversations, and Asana for priority tasks and project work. Note that we don't use email. That's reserved for clients, customers, and business inquiries or opportunities. I also check in again around 5pm to plan for the next day and make sure everyone has what they need to move forward. Because my team is global, some are just starting their day while others are finishing up. We don't work weekends, and I do not expect them to reply or respond to me then, And unless they want to, I don't expect them to work evenings. It's up to them to manage their time and work. Same applies at home, especially if you have a home office. You need a sign on the door that says when it's appropriate to come in and when you're busy. I like using the sign on air, which signals I'm doing a podcast interview or on a group coaching call. And it's kind of fun too. Set clear times for contact. This is critical. Set clear times for your clients, peers, colleagues and loved ones to call, text or message you. You can make these certain windows throughout the day or make it easy with no calls until after 1pm, for example. Same goes with booking in time to speak with you. Use a calendar scheduling tool like Calendly to block in times for specific activities. I have two half days a month for guests to book in on my podcast and half a day a week for client calls or application calls. The rest of the time is usually unavailable because I have calendar blocked the heck out of my week and month. I have set times for team calls, for strategy work, for content creation, for financial and operational decisions, for admin and for learning. And no one gets to book in when I'm doing yoga first thing in the morning or taking a hike or going for a run in the afternoon. I block out lunch, dinner and free time to do whatever the heck I want. Choose your prime communication tool. Choose one messaging tool that you prefer and tell people to contact you on that. Otherwise, you know you're going to receive communications on WhatsApp. Foxer, Signal, Messenger, and email at a bare minimum. And who the heck can keep up with that? More importantly, who needs to? Reiterate this regularly, as well as when they can expect a response. For example, if it's non-urgent, message me on Signal. I will do my best to respond within 24 hours. If it's very important, 
Call my mobile, and if I don't answer, then text me. I'll do my best to get back to you within the hour. If it's urgent, call my mobile, and if I don't answer, hang up and call twice more. I will respond as soon as possible. This trains people to know what they can expect and minimize the amount of confusion, hurt, and lost in translation moments, simply because you set clear boundaries. Institute email protection. The same deal applies here. Block out time to check your email, then honor your calendar, and don't give in. I know I have the best days when I don't check email until late morning or even after lunch. I have the worst days when I keep it open and respond to everything as it comes in, feeling like I'm doing something useful when in fact I'm procrastinating. Have an autoresponder that reiterates the times you're available and not available, your rules around non-urgent and urgent, and your turnaround time for responses. At the time of this writing, my partner, Josh, had changed his autoresponder from I only check email once a week, so best to message me on Slack if you want to reply sooner, to saying he only checks it every three weeks. Better yet, hire a virtual assistant for email and calendar management and watch your life transform in an instant as you realize it really wasn't as important as you thought and they've got the majority of your emails handled, leaving you with the ones that truly matter. Once a month, I'm not regularly hitting inbox zero from ruthless email triage. I archive every message I've been keeping in my inbox. Why? If it was important, I would have dealt with it by now. This is poor use of my inbox. And if it was important to them, they would have followed up already. Easy. Digital detox days. Every week, I enjoy my Freedom Friday. This falls on a Friday. No surprises there. And as a non-work day. As in, I don't go into my office or near my laptop. I often hide my phone in the wardrobe too. Yes, I hide it so I can find it. But the old out of sight, out of mind really works. So does realizing you have to walk more than an arm's length distance to retrieve it. We humans are notoriously lazy. Oh, and put it in airplane mode too. The point is, I enjoy a digital free day where I'm connected to just one thing, being present. That means heading out in nature, playing with the dogs, reading a book in the sun, painting, gardening, socializing with friends, whatever I wish. Depending on how I feel, I reserve the right to do learning on my iPad, which has no work tools or apps on it, just entertainment and access to courses that will help me expand my mind or acquire new skills or insights. If you can't do this during the week, then allocate at least one day on the weekend to do this for yourself. The first time will be hard, likely really hard, so enlist help. Have someone kidnap your phone, unplug the Wi-Fi, or better yet, come pick you up for a day's outing without your phone. Once you realize the joy of space, time, and energy you get back in abundance, you'll wonder why you haven't done this all along. Fun fact, I get my best business, house, and personal growth ideas on detox days. Power of three. Thanks to LifePilot, a powerful yet simple methodology and tool Josh and I created to turn our dreams into reality, we use the power of three for everything. We set no more than three most important actions or intentions each day, week, month, quarter, and year. Why three? More than that, and you're simply setting yourself up for failure. Plus, if you can't cull your to-dos until you're left with three that will truly move the needle for you, you most likely need help. I genuinely mean that in the loveliest possible way. Remember that superhero statement early on? What I'm really talking about here is valuing your time and energy so much that you funnel it into three things that will make everything else pale into insignificance. Using my color-coded life pilot spreadsheet that I love, a day might look like this. Work. Batch record two podcast interviews. Win for planning ahead. Personal. Finish module off of financial mastery course. Win for knowledge acquisition. Lifestyle. Go on a lovely river walk with the pooches. 
win for revitalizing my energy and creative juices plus dog love. Over a week, that would look like impact. Write the next chapter of my book, win for taking action and making progress toward publishing. Relationship, plan out next two long weekends with Josh. Win for connection time with my love, envisioning what lights us up and lets us dream big. Health, do at least three triathlon training sessions. Win for consistent training and improvement before an event. In a month, all these activities would tie into the three main goals I set. For example, impact, get first rough draft book into editor for feedback. Win for bite-sized chunks to motivate me to keep writing and a deadline to work towards. Release pilot launch, of course, on podcasting how-to. Win for using podcast interviews and being interviewed to come up with great course content to pre-promote. Financial. Finish course and implement upgrades with accountant. Win for working toward improving my financial literacy, along with building a better relationship with my accountant and enlisting their expertise. Important. You set your annual goals across the eight areas of life that are most important. Check out lifepilot.co for these. Then transfer those to your quarterly goals or intentions. Then break them down into your monthly, weekly, and daily goals. Easy. These are only some of the main ways to build your moat. And I'm pretty sure you know, deep down, all the ways in which you can become the master of your own day that you simply need to put in place. The massive upside is that instead of seeing the stressed out, snappy, always busy, frazzled version of you, everyone will get a much better look at the real you, the happy, relaxed, calm, joyful, organized, stress-free version. Go make it happen, princess. All right, I'm going to throw in another one here because this book is comprised of a lot of what I would say short to medium chapters because I really wanted people to just be able to dive in, read something in a couple of minutes, five to ten minutes even, and just feel like they got a really great nugget out of it or they got some advice, or they got some inspiration, or they learned something, or they laughed. They laughed at me, hopefully, or laughed with me. So a lot of short chapters, which I really love, it's one of those things you could read in a couple of hours, you could pop it in your handbag, take it with you, and just pull out a chapter whenever you like. So I am going to read you one more chapter. I'm literally just scrolling down through my ebook right now, and I'm going to pick one that I just feel like reading out. Ooh, maybe that one. Okay. Be your own heroine. I just want to help everyone, a gorgeous member of the 10K Club said on one of our group coaching calls. She went on to explain that once her business grew, she couldn't wait to hire a woman she'd worked with on her team and who was just amazing. I asked her why she couldn't hire her now or someone else to help her out in her business so she could focus on what she did best. The response was one I hear all too often, and even uttered myself in past life. I need to make sure she's taken care of, is paid well, and can provide for her family. I will be fully responsible for her, as I don't want her to suffer or miss out if I can't afford to pay her. I stopped her right there, and because she's open to learning like crazy, she listened and understood. When I explained, you are not responsible for anyone else's life but yours. You do not need to rescue her. You need to empower her to do a great job. But let's get this straight. You only need to focus on being your own heroine, not anyone else's. She got it. And it was a powerful moment for everyone on the call because as women, we are always thinking about others, putting them before us and taking on their problems as if they are our own. No more. No freaking more. You don't serve anybody by doing that. Instead, you weaken your own defenses, burn through your energy, create less space for your growth 
and become a victim to others' issues. Despite preaching this great advice, I had repeatedly fallen victim to playing the heroine, rescuing my clients and customers far too many times over the years. I really had to learn this for myself the hard way because I cared so much about the transformations of my clients and students that I was doing everything I could to help them out. Following up with personalized emails to see how they were getting on and launching their own courses. Reaching out across multiple social media channels to check in on them when they'd gone missing during a live course. Making myself extremely available anytime for feedback or advice. I won't lie. This is a part of my style that I think sets me apart in a sea of sameness as a business, life and mindset coach. However, it comes at a price, which at the time I was not charging or valuing enough. Instead, I needed to recognize, as you may need to, that I am not responsible for someone else's results, behavior or outcomes. No matter how much you care or try, you are not them. They need to go on their own journey at their own pace and discover for themselves what they need to learn in order to progress and evolve. There is still a lot you can do for others. You can hold space for them, create a safe container that allows them to grow and evolve, stretch and learn. You can guide them lovingly with your leadership and wisdom. You can provide them with encouragement, motivation and support. And you can believe in them fully and shine a light on their infinite potential. But you cannot be them or get them to where they need to be. That's entirely up to them. If you need a strong visual to anchor to this, to remind yourself to be your own heroine and not anyone else's, then think of Princess Diana, also known as Wonder Woman. Upon learning of a war, she ventures into the world of man to stop Ares, the god of war, from destroying mankind. That was her first mistake. Attempting to stop men rather than focusing on hanging with all her female Amazonian race of kick-ass women. But I digress. The heartache, tragedy and loss she experiences in trying to rescue men from themselves, including her hunky pilot Steve, is just too much. Sure, she eventually saves the world, but at what cost? This might seem a tad dramatic, or perhaps you're not into superheroes. Yet when you apply this to your everyday life, you can hopefully start to see how often you rush in to save, defend, and rescue your friends, family, peers, team, clients, and even strangers without thinking about the consequences. Your brilliance, your precious time, your amazing gifts, your boundless energy are best used to superpower yourself first, and then ripple out to help others who are ready to take action and be responsible for their own lives. Now go have a heroin break, a siesta, a bubble bath, or a massage. You deserve it. Hopefully you can see the sort of variety in this book. There are also a lot of personal stories, but I don't want to pop them into this episode because, I don't know, they're fun and they'll teach you a lot. And there's some things that I've never revealed before. And I just prefer for you to read the book or listen to the book which of course I am reading. So you get to listen to me the whole time and hopefully that's a good thing and not something that you'll like. So without further ado, you can grab this book right now on pre-order at nataliesisson.com forward slash princess. And if you're listening to this after the 8th of April, you can just go ahead and order the damn thing. Same link, nataliesisson.com forward slash princess. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, iBook and so many more places and I'll also be selling it online through myself at least the digital version and the audio version so if you also come across that page you'll see some beautiful reviews from amazing women goddesses that I was so thrilled to receive and I'd love to start putting your reviews up there and photos of people receiving the book holding the book and all those good things so just keep in touch stay tuned and hit me up on Instagram at Natalie Sisson to share if you've ordered your copy, 
if you're looking forward to reading the book, depending on at which stage you listen to this. And thank you so much for your support. Anytime I ever publish a book, which is a massive deal, but always a fun and rewarding one, I always love hearing from readers of the book. And what's so bizarre is if you think about all the books you've read, how often do you get in touch with the author and say, hey, I read your book, I really enjoyed it, or it perturbed me, or this bit frustrated me, or I love the way you did this. I just think we should probably all pay more attention to reaching out to contact the author and sharing that feedback because it honestly, it makes your day. It's like, huh, this book is over in Morocco and somebody read it while they were sitting on a beach smoking a shisha and here's what they thought about it. Or, wow, this book is in Iceland and somebody was sitting in a coffee shop, reading it away, highlighting and marking it up. And this is a bit that really stood out for them. So just don't be afraid to reach out to authors of books that you've loved. First of all, leave them a freaking review. It's so hard to get reviews. Even when people tell you they loved your book, that going that extra step to just say that online publicly makes a huge difference for authors. And it tells other people why it's a book worth reading. And second, reach out to them. Reach out to them on social. Say hi. Authors are way more accessible than you probably think. I'm not talking about myself here. I am the accessibility queen, although working on that. But just other authors that maybe you've really admired their books, you've read them for years, they made a huge difference in your life, maybe when you were a kid or a teenager. Like if I ever meet Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I'd love to sit down and have dinner with him or lunch with him and just talk to him about the 30 million copies that book has sold and for good reason, because it's such a freaking good book. And on that note, I'm probably going to go and leave him a review. Not that he really probably needs it, because it's probably thousands, but I'm going to take that time because I respect what he wrote and what he put together. So that's my little rant for you to reach out and have your say and share what the book that you are reading, whether it's my book or the book that you currently have, has done for you, how it's helped you, how it's made a difference in your life. Or maybe it just made you laugh, cry, snort, or recognize something about yourself. Okay, you have been listening to the Untapped Podcast with Natalie Sisson, and I would love for you to go and check out Suck It Up Princess in all good online places and bookstores, self-published by moi, officially online for sale on April 8th, but right now you can pre-order it at nataliesisson.com forward slash princess. Outside of that, you can have yourself a freaking amazing day and go and tap into your potential.